بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله الذي أرسل رسوله بالهدى ودين الحق ليظهره على دين كله وكفى بالله شهيدا وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له إقرارا به وتوحيدا وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وسلم تسليما مزيدا أما بعد فإن أصدق الحديث كلام الله خير الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار أما بعد of the praise الله سبحانه وتعالى and seeking his aid and uh, assistance and tawfiq I welcome my dear beloved brothers and sisters to um, our next book that inshallah or chapter that we're going to um, embark upon and uh, study and that is the Kitab al-Siyam the book of fasting from Umrah al-Ahkam and before that, I'd like to apologize for the delay. It was a last-minute adjustment that was required, hence my uh, my lateness today. Uh, so we studied the Book of Fasting from Umrah al-Ahkam. No doubt this is not the first chapter in Umrah al-Ahkam. But due to the fact that um, in the next few days, we will be um, entering the month of Ramadan, the blessed month of Ramadan, which that we hope that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows us to reach that with Iman and readiness to um, benefit from that month. And uh, this fasting, barakallahu feekum, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, Ya ayuhal ladheena amanu, kutiba alaykum usiyam, kama kutiba alladheena min qablikum la'allakum tattaqoon. All you who believe, fasting has been prescribed for you. And prescribed for those before you in order for you to attain taqwa. In order for you to attain taqwa. So no doubt from the fruits and benefits of this month is that we attain taqwa. And that we uh, train ourselves in fearing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as no doubt from the affairs that we will exercise in this month is a sabr, is a patience, is patience. And that is patience as relates to its categories of three categories. And a sabr ala ta'atillah, patience upon the obedience of Allah, meaning that we obey Allah in the legislation of fasting. We, have, we fast fundamentally to obey Allah wa ta'ala and that requires sabr that requires patience and likewise a sabr and ma'asiyatillah and that is patience in staying away from disobeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that is that in fasting we have mufattirat uh, or affairs that, that, that nullify one's fast and we are patient by staying away from that like eating, drinking and having relations with the partner, the, the husband or the wife. 
and this no doubt it requires sabr for verily the one who uh, breaks their fast by these means during the day of Ramadan then that is a sin so we have to be patient in staying away from that and likewise as sabr ala aqdari mu'lima and that's patience upon the decree of Allah wa ta'ala and that is that during the fasting day one may have the pains of and the pangs of hunger and this is a pain that requires one to have sabr that this is the decree of Allah it's from the qadr of Allah wa qada it's from the decree of Allah that has been preordained and likewise is the legislation of Allah wa ta'ala min awamirillah the commands of Allah so therefore we are patient as it relates to this and no doubt fasting will uh, trains the ibad and trains the, the, the worship of Allah to dedicate themselves in ibadah and that is because if we look at the different and various actions that one uh, busies themselves with in Ramadan is tilawatul uh, Qur'an everyone's uh, enthusiastic in reciting the Qur'an and having to dabbur and we have to have this reflection not just reciting with our tongue but with, with the reflection and contemplation كَمَا قَالَ اللَّهُ تَبَارَكُ وَتَعَالَى أَفَلَا يَتَدَبَّرُونَ الْقُرْآنِ وَلَوْ كَانَ مِنْ إِنْدِ غَيْرِ اللَّهِ لَوَجَدُ فِيهِ اخْتِلَافًا كَثِيرًا Do they not reflect upon the Qur'an regarding the Qur'an if it was from other than Allah it will have in it contradictions so we recite the Qur'an in the month of Ramadan and we train ourselves in this that we will benefit from this by continuing reciting the Qur'an and reflecting upon the Qur'an after uh, the month has ended and likewise the salawat and that is praying and establishing the night prayer and being on time in our prayers as the messenger sallallahu he said that ahabbul a'mal indallah as-salatu ala waqtiha He's mentioned sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in the hadith that the most beloved action to Allah is prayer in its prescribed time. We will be, as you see in the month of Ramadan, there will be this uh, carefulness regarding the timing of the salah. Again, this trains us for after Ramadan to continue with this. And likewise, the qiyam al-layl, and that is standing up at night and prayer from the tarawih and, uh, and so forth. This is something which is done throughout the month of Ramadan and everyone has this urgency to pray the taraweeh based upon the hadith of Abu Hurairah radiyallahu ta'ala and the Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he said man qama Ramadan imanan wa ihtisaban ghufra lahu ma taqaddama min dhanbi as he said sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that whoever stands in prayer in the in the month of Ramadan their previous sins will be forgiven. Man sama Ramadan imanan wa ihtisaban ghifara lahu ma taqaddama min dhanbi. Whoever fasts in the month of Ramadan with iman and seeking aid from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and seeking reward from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala their previous sins will be forgiven. Imanan wa ihtisaban in both hadith actually. And that seeking uh, reward from Allah with iman with tawheed. So this is something which will be done inshallah in the month of Ramadan and that month trains us that if we can do this for 30 or 29 days in that month then this is something that we should be able to do throughout the year. And that's 
also from the fruits of Ramadan and fasting and that it trains us regarding that. And likewise, no doubt, uh, the zakat and the giving in charity is something which people again have this urgency to do in the month of Ramadan. And this again trains us in Ramadan that we do this throughout the months of the days rather in Ramadan. So therefore, no doubt that this is uh, something that we can do after the month of Ramadan. So this is no doubt is a great opportunity for us to clean out the cobwebs and the rust and to uh, reflect on uh, the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because no doubt through the pangs of hunger and the, 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 the thirst that we will, we will feel it will make us appreciate that which we have from the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala there isn't any blessing that is with you or that you have except it's from Allah and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that very few of my ibad, my, my servants, are grateful. So this is an opportunity for us to reflect upon the blessings of food and drink that we have from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we may have taken for granted and the fact that we can go to the fridge and drink when we have the, uh, the time to or we can cook and we can eat throughout the day. Now we can't in the month of Ramadan and this allows us to appreciate the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and it's from the virtues of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon us is that even during this period where we are learning these affairs, we're getting reward for learning. So we're getting reward for this training, for this cultivating. And that's from the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So then this allows us to reflect upon the tawheed of Allah and the sifat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the, the, the perfect names and attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he has rahmah, that he has mercy for his ibad, and he is al-Rahman, al-Rahim, and he is al-Hakim, the all-wise, and he is al-Alim, the all-knowing. And then we learn and we, we implement these names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala during the days of fasting, in that we know that we, an individual could um, just easily hide underneath a table in a dark room, with a blanket over his head and locking the door and putting extra blankets and they were to eat in the day of Ramadan they know that Allah sees they know that Allah will see them because nothing is hidden from him subhanahu wa ta'ala so therefore this increases us in training us for ikhlas and sincerity this is from the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala which is why in the hadith al-Qudsi Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he said, فَإِنَّهُ لِي He said that verily the fasting is for Allah because it's one of the blessings of Allah, the ibadat, that um, will train the abd in uh, having sincerity and having ikhlas. Again, we can take this training from the month of Ramadan and adapt, uh, implement it continuously throughout our speech, actions, our living, as this dunya is a test the one who created um, the life and death Allah to see that which is who is from you that is uh, good in deeds this is the dunya and this is the training that we need to take from this month of Ramadan and that it reminds us of the purpose of our existence 
and that is to worship Allah in this life that is a trial between life and death that is a trial and we have to race towards the maghfirah and the forgiveness of Allah from Allah Taala and adherence and no doubt that we now want to learn about fasting we want to study and remind ourselves regarding the ahkam and the ruling of fasting and this again shows you that we need to do this for every ibadah it's not just because it's Ramadan but rather we need to do all of the, study all of the ahkam and study all of the rulings pertaining to uh, fundamentally in aqidah, tawheed and the names and attributes of Allah, usul of Ahl sunnah study the books of the salaf the books of the, the ulama of the sunnah which is clarifying uh, the aqidah and the creed that every Muslim should have. We need to study this. We need to have ilm regarding this. Because aqidah is, 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 is needed in every aspect of our lives. Just as we're preparing to study the book of fasting because of fasting is coming, for every aspect of our life we need aqidah. We need tawheed. We need to focus and study a tawheed. Like we're studying the book of fasting now. Based upon the hadith of the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, hadith on Hassan, Talab al-ilm faridatun ala kulli muslim. Seeking knowledge is obligatory upon every Muslim, everyone. Meaning that knowledge which is required in order for one to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ala basira, upon insight. It's obligatory for all of us to study this. And there's nothing compared and nothing that is... Uh, compared to or in uh, in contest with uh, seeking knowledge of the deen of Allah as Imam Ahmed rahimahullah uh, ta'ala he said talib al-ilm la ya'dilhu shay in sahat al-niyyah seeking knowledge nothing is comparable to it nothing is comparable to seeking knowledge if the intention is pure so we're seeking this knowledge here ibadallah to uh, we're hoping for the reward in Allah fearing the punishment and hoping that this is for us and not against us as the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam says al-qur'anu hujjatun lak aw alayk that the quran is a proof for you or against you we hope that this will be for us and that we implement uh, this amazing worship of uh, fasting as is been legislated and has been legislated uh, in the sunnah the quran and sunnah now so we begin with inillahi ta'ala fi dars aw durusina our lesson في كتاب الصيام بعد هذه المقدمة after this introduction نعم كتاب الصيام كتاب الصيام the book of fasting وإمام المقدسي رحمه الله دغني scholar of hadith compiled this book of narrations in Bukhari and Muslim أمرة الأحكام is the for first book that the student of knowledge should study as it relates to Ahkam, because all of the narrations are authentic. As for Bulugh Maram, which is the level after this, some of the narrations are weak, so in it we would need to study some of the Asanid and the narrations and the narrators as it relates to narrations. But as for this book here, it's all from Bukhari and Muslim. Mutafaqun alayhi but some of them in Bukhari, some of the wordings are in Bukhari, and some of the wordings are in Muslim. So we won't really be studying uh, the chains or narrations in our lessons and we'll be defining what we that needs def defining inshallah and likewise we would um, give us a, a, a short biography of the narrator so we can get 
familiar with the narrators from the Sahaba and the companions of Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And if we've mentioned the narrator in previous in a previous lesson in Kitab al-Siyam, we will not repeat it, inshallah. And you have in front of you uh, the four uh, narrations that we're going to hope to study today. But due to the obviously being late, we, we try and do what we can. But the aim and objective is to finish these uh, four narrations. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam fi kitab siyam. barakatillah. So we start. He says, Rahimullah, kitab al-siyam, yani the book of fasting. The first point we're going to mention is the meaning of kitab. And the meaning of kitab come from the, comes from the statement iktataba al-hisan and uh, the word kitab which means book in English. It comes from the um, the meaning of the horses were gathered. So when you say iktataba al-hisan or uh, the, the horses were gathered, it means that they were gathered to one place. So kitab al-siyam, when we say the book of fasting, it means all of the narrations of fasting gathered to one pay, place so the word kitab in arabic is more is deeper than the meaning book as we, we understand in the english language it means basically sentences a book in general is sentences paragraphs topics gathered in one place so likewise here kitab al-siyam is a is a book is a book yani the gathering of the narrations and the hadith of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam pertaining to fasting in one place. That's why it's called Kitab al-Siyam. The next point we're going to mention is the definition of al-Siyam. The definition of al-Siyam. Yani fasting. The definition of al-Siyam, logatan, linguistically, is al-imsaq mutlaqa. Al-imsaqu mutlaqa. And that is meaning the refraining of abstaining. It means abstaining. And that can be used linguistically for anything. Yani, you can say uh, uh, the, uh, for uh, a shirab, for, for drinking or ta'am or eating or al-kalam or nikah or marriage, abstaining from marriage, abstaining from traveling or seer, which is why the horse that has been tied up and cannot move is called a sa'im because it's been restrained from moving so it's called a sa'im that beast that, that has been tied up and it cannot move is called a sa'im because the meaning of the word siyam uh, linguistically is abstinence or something being restrained and likewise a speech is used in the Quran that, that silence is, uh, is uh, the meaning of silence is fasting as well so Linguistically, like the statement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala regarding Maryam Um Isa alayhi salatu wa salam inni nadhartu li rahmani sawma falin ukallima al-yawma in siya Where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned in Surah to Maryam that uh, Maryam said I vow to the most merciful sawma I vow to the most merciful sawma meaning to Remain silent, abstain from speech. From today, for today I will not speak to anyone. I will not speak to anyone today. So fasting means abstinence in any way, form or fashion. Abstaining from walking, abstaining from speaking and so forth. But as for as it relates to the legislation meaning the Quran and the Sunnah, 
the definition has a portion of the linguistic definition but fundamentally it has a more specific definition and that is for all of the abwab and chapters uh, in fiqh or in the sharia that the linguistic meaning has some type of relationship with the meaning that is in the quran and the sunnah but it's more specific so here no doubt abstinence is part of the definition that we're going to talk about here and ibn mulaqin in his uh, uh, definition in his uh, Sharh of Umrat al-Ahkam he says وَفِي الشَّرْعِ إِمْسَاكٌ مَخْصُوصٌ مِنْ شَخْصٍ مَخْصُوصٌ عَنْ شَيْءٍ مَخْصُوصٌ فِي زَمَنٍ مَخْصُوصٌ and that's the definition he mentioned for fasting and that is a specific abstinence a specific abstinence meaning specifically in the month of Ramadan for example Oh, sorry, specifically um, abstaining from something, abstaining from eating, drink, drinking, uh, and so forth, by a specific category of people, so abstinence from a specific category of people, meaning the people who, are, who is not traveling, for example, or the woman that's not in her menstruation period, or the person that is sick, doesn't necessarily have to fast so it's min shaksin maksud by a specific person and that specific person is the person that's not traveling or the person the woman that's not in her menstrual cycle or in the postnatal period and shayin maksus fizamini maksus so in summary it's abstaining an abstinence from specific categories of people who qualify for fasting for example Abstaining from specific things like drinking, eating, and relation. They're not abstaining from breathing. So it's some specific things that they're abstaining from. Fizamini maksus, at a specific period of time, yani between Fajr and Maghrib. So these are the main parts of the definition. And that is abstinence from specific qualified individuals, from abstaining from specific things, at a specific period of time. This is the definition of Siyam Fishar. Imsakum Maksus, Minshaksin Maksus, and Shayin Maksus, Fizamani Maksusin. Now, after that, point number three, you can say, point number three is uh, the virtues of fasting. The virtues of fasting. The virtues of fasting, Barakallahu Fikum. As we mentioned in the introduction of our lesson today, it's like the hadith of Abu Hurairah where the Messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam he mentioned that who man qama laylat al-qadr wa man qama ramadan imanan wa ihtisaban ghufr lahu ma taqaddam min dhanbi wa man sama ramadan imanan wa ihtisaban ghufr lahu ma taqaddam min dhanbi whoever fasts the month of Ramadan with iman belief and seeking reward from Allah, his sins will be forgiven. So it's a virtue that sins are forgiven due to this act of ibadah. And likewise, the hadith again, an Abu Huerta radiyallahu ta'ala anhu, that the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, qal, as-salawatu al-khams, wal-jum'atu ila al-jum'a, wa ramadhan ila ramadhan, mukafiratin lima baynahun in ishtunibat al-kabair. Which is mentioned in the hadith in Sahih Muslim, and Abu Hurairah radiyallahu anhu, the Messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam, he said, 
the five daily prayers, yani between the five daily prayers and between Juma and another Juma and Ramadan and another Ramadan are the affairs that the sins are wiped off between them. Between Ramadan and Ramadan, the sins are wiped off. As long as they stay away from the major sins. And meaning basically that the Ramadan in it is the forgiving of the minor sins. But as for the major sins, it requires explicit tawbah. Atubu ilallah, astaghfirullah wa atubu ilayh. Yani tawbatan nasuha. It needs a specific request of forgiveness and making tawbah and repentance for major sins. But as for the minor sins, it's wiped out by doing this ibadah of fasting in Ramadan and also the five daily prayers. The minor sins. And this no doubt is a virtue of uh, the month of Ramadan and likewise the statement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Ya yuladina amanu kutiba alaykum usiyam kama kutiba ala alladina min qablikum la'allakum tattaqoon Fasting has been prescribed for you who believe Fasting has been prescribed for you and for those before you in order for you to attain taqwa and no doubt this is a virtue of fasting in that it's the time to attain taqwa and likewise uh from the virtue is that this ibadah, this worship of fasting, barakallahu feekum, has been prescribed for those before us. As uh, is mentioned by Imam Tabari, rahimullah, and other than him. Someone said that it was by the Christians, yani it was legislated for the Christians. But the correct opinion was legislated for all previously. In different capacities, fasting has been legislated from them. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is showing us that this is indeed a worship that has history, but it is indeed an extra virtue for this ummah, as is mentioned by Ibn Mulaqin, rahimullah, that it is in it that the people of this ummah would attain taqwa, piety, uh, would attain piety and righteousness and, uh, in this month and fasting in Ramadan. So that's Kitab Siyam, the book of fasting. Point number four is we uh, the fa- the month of fast the Ramadan yani fasting in the month of Ramadan barakallahu was uh, legislated and made obligatory in the second year of Hijrah make second year of Hijrah of Rasulullah sallallahu to Medina after this we start the first hadith al hadith al awwal hadith number 1 wa huwa an abi hurairah radiyallahu an qala qala rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam لا تقدموا رمضان بصوم بصوم يوم أو يومين إلا رجل كان يصوم صوما فليصوم. And in this hadith, which is in Bukhari and Muslim, متفق عليه, the Abi Huerta رضي الله تعالى عنه, he said that the Messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم he said that no one should fast a day or two. Uh, before the, the coming of the month of Ramadan except for someone who usually fasts on that day and if it's his usual day dana, his habit of fasting on that day then he should fast but as for the one who specifically fasts a day or two before the month of Ramadan coming this is a prohibition the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said and this is and this is the the preposition of prohibition, do not fast, and that indeed necessitates uh, 
uh, it's being haram, impermissible to fast. General meaning of that hadith. The next point we're going to mention is the tarjama of the rawi. We're going to talk about Abu Huraira. I want us to be familiar, bi'ithnillahi ta'ala, with the companions of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So it's important for us to study and uh, go through the the tarjama and the biography of some of the narrators. And the first narrator here, suitably, is Abu Huraira, radiyallahu anhu. And his name is Abdurrahman ibn Sakhr al-Dawsi. Some of them have said his name is Abdullah. But the correct opinion, his name is Abdurrahman. We hear the name Abu Huraira. What's his name? Abdurrahman. His kunya, his nickname is Abu Huraira. And his name is Abdurrahman ibn Sakhr al-Dawsi. And he, uh, he embraced in the year of Khaybar. Uh, and uh, he fought in many battles with the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And he was tight. And close to the Messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam, very close. And some of the ulama have mentioned in the in the books of uh, biography and tarikh that he stayed with the Messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam for about two years. But he stuck close to the Messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam as a young man, and uh, he attended the lessons and sittings of the Messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam until he became from the ulama of hadith. Until he became from the from the ulama of the of hadith. And from the testimony of him for himself regarding his uh, 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 strictness and sticking close to the Sunnah of the Messenger in his narrations, he said, And said, By the one whose um, hands my soul is in, yani by Allah, I have not forgotten anything that I heard from the Messenger. So he attended a lot of the narrations. And heard a lot of the narrations of the Messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So much so, Abdullah ibn Umar, radiyallahu anhuma, he says, "Kuntu alzam, uh, kuntu sallallahu alaihi wasallam, wa a'lamuna bihadithihi." Okay, and kunta alzamuna li Rasulillahi sallallahu alaihi wasallam, wa a'lamuna bihadithihi. He said that you were the most Closest to the messenger, and he took the the tightest and closest to the messenger, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and you were the most knowledgeable from amongst us as it relates to the hadith of the messenger, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And he, radiyallahu ta'ala anhu Abu Hurairah, narrated khamsa khamsa alaf five thousand three hundred and seventy four narrations, five thousand three hundred and seventy four hadith individual narrations of the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam and he was the most narrator the only narrator with the most narrations from the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam and he died in al-madina he died in al-madina in the year 57 radiyallahu ta'ala anhu nam the next point that we're going to mention barakallahu regarding this kitab al-siyam after mentioning the uh, the tarjama and the biography of uh, Abu Hurairah is we're going to give this hadith a title. We're going to give this hadith a title. So the title that we can give to this hadith from the statement of uh, Al Alama Muhammad ibn Salih Uthaymin rahimullah is Hukmu Sabqur Ramadan Bissom, the ruling of preceding Ramadan with fasting. This is the title for this hadith. This is the title. For this hadith. The next benefit that we're going to take or mention here is the meaning of Ramadan. What is the meaning of 
Ramadan. Well, the meaning of Ramadan, as some of the ulama have differed and mentioned various meanings of Ramadan, is that they mentioned that um, the meaning of Ramadan is uh, taken from the word Ramda. It's taken from the word Ramda, meaning Ramda is like a hot coal or hot stone. And it's Ibara is mentioning regarding the period in which the month was named Ramadan was in that first period when the month was named Ramadan, it was scorching. It was very hot because of those hot coals that was around at that time of the month. So that's why it's called Ramadan from the word Ramda, which is like hot coal. And because when it was first legislated, uh, it was hot and uh, it was scorching. So it took the name Ramadan Nam. And also some of the ulama have mentioned from them Anas ibn Malik and Hafid ibn Hajar al-Asqalani, he mentions this also in Fat al-Bari. And that is that it's called Ramadan because it burns the sins away. As we mentioned, it's from the, um, the meaning of that hot coal at that period of time, in that period of month, the year or rather, Ramadan, that time, the ninth month of the year, that has that hot, hot stone. And likewise, some of the ulama have said that it is... Uh, Ibarah, it means basically that it's the month in which the sins are burnt. The sins are burnt away because of the good deeds that the person who fasts in that month uh, embarks upon. After this, we go to some benefits that we can take from this hadith, point by point. The first benefit that we can take from this hadith is the prohibition of fasting a day or, or two days before the coming of the month of Ramadan. So if the month of Ramadan, for example, is on Jummah, do not fast on first, it's on Friday, Jummah, do not fast on Thursday and do not fast on Wednesday. That's the first point. And this is haram. And this is haram to fast on those two days. This is the correct opinion uh, based upon the clear prohibition, la tuqaddimu, do not precede Ramadan beyond or yomain, a day or two days. And the ulama have mentioned that from the benefits of this prohibition is so we can separate the two months, showing the noble status of the month of Ramadan. So therefore, by not fasting the day before Ramadan comes, and uh, or two days, it gives it that type of distinction between it and other the other month or the previous month, which is the month of uh, Sha'ban. And, and likewise, from the benefits or reasons that the ulama have mentioned, uh, that it has been prohibited is to oppose uh, uh, the rawafid as well. The rawafid, the rawafid that's from the fruits of, of, of implementing it rather, is that the, the Shia, the rawafid, they fast continuously up until the last day before Ramadan, and we oppose these uh, deviant people in that regard. The second benefit that's taken from this hadith is being that it is prohibited to fast a day or two before, it is then permissible to fast three days before, taken from this hadith. So the messenger specifically mentioned a day or two days. So therefore, if you fast, let's, let's go back to Friday. So Friday is Ramadan. So you cannot fast on the Thursday and you cannot fast on the Wednesday, but you can fast on the Tuesday, which is three days before Ramadan. Or the Monday or the Sunday. 
meaning that as long as it's not a day or two days before Ramadan, you can fast. The next benefit that we can take from this, and that's benefit number four, and that is the strict nature of this legislation of Allah Taala. This legislation that Allah has revealed, the rulings pertaining to the ibadat, is that Allah has put limits and boundaries and also rules pertaining to this these or different types of ibadah, different types of worship. And this shows its importance and the status of these types of worships that have not been left open, but rather they have placed in it restrictions and boundaries in order to preserve its distinctive character, yani of fasting in Ramadan here, and so forth. This shows the, the clear care that is taken regarding this type of ibadah. And these are the boundaries, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and these are the boundaries of Allah. Do not transgress them. Do not transgress them. And that also that we can take from this uh, hadith, barakallahu feekum, is the permissibility for the one who usually fasts to uh, fast on a day before Ramadan. Meaning... That if it's from your daydana and from your practice to do the psalm of Dawood, to do the fast of Dawood, meaning that you fast one day and then you break fast. Psalm Yoman Tuftir Tali. You fast one day and then you break fast the second day. And um, uh, if this is your normal practice and it so happens to fall on, again, we're going to deal with Friday being Ramadan. I'm not saying Friday is Ramadan, but just. As an example, let's say Friday is Ramadan and it's your, your fast, you do the fast of Dawood. So, for example, you fast on uh, Monday, you break fast on Tuesday, uh, you fast on Sunday, you break fast on Monday, then you fast Tuesday, and you break fast, uh, sorry, let's, let's do it. No, sorry, you, you fast uh, Monday and you break fast on Tuesday and then you fast Wednesday. And then you fast Wednesday, which is two days before um, Friday. Uh, it's permissible for you to fast on that day, Wednesday, if it is your normal practice to do the fast of Dawood, and that is fasting every other day. Fasting every other day. That's why the Messenger وسلم, he said in the hadith, Except for a man, and that does not mean a woman, that here it means man and woman. That they fasted a fast that is normal practice for them and it lands on the day before Ramadan, then no doubt uh, it's he should or she should uh, fast because it's their normal practice. Meaning, taken from this barakallahu feekum, that you should not specifically fast the day of before Ramadan just to say, okay, I'm going to fast the day of Ramadan just in case. Just in case. No, we do not do this. Just in case it's that day is Ramadan. No. Because we have, as mentioned, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has legislated everything that we need and require in order for us to worship him subhanahu wa ta'ala alone without any partners. And from that is the legislation of fasting. Which brings us, after this, finishing the, uh, the final um, uh, point or benefit that we can take from this hadith, is the permissibility of saying Ramadan because some of the ulama said that you have to say the month of Ramadan. But this hadith is a proof that you can say Ramadan. Because the Messenger says, Ramadan. 
You mentioned Ramadan without mentioning the month of Ramadan. So therefore it's permissible to say and call it the month of Ramadan and permissible to call it also Ramadan. Shows you again the intricate nature of this legislation of Al-Islam, Ya Ibadallah. The intricate nature of this religion. Every single thing has been dealt with. It's just up to us to seek that knowledge, to know that. And as we seek more knowledge and understand how deep this deen of Al-Islam is, then inshallah increases us in Iman and increases us in belief and faith and increases us, Barakallahu Fikum, in implementing and, and applying and uh, for, uh, complying to the legislation of Allah Tabaraka wa Ta'ala. This is the end of the first hadith. As for the second hadith, Al Hadith al Thani, Wahua an Abdullah ibn Umar, Radiyallahu an Huma, Kala Samir to Rasulullahi, Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and Yakul, Either Rai to Muhu Fasumu, or either Rai to Muhu Fafiru, Fin Huma alaykum Fakdiru leh. In this hadith, the second hadith in the book of fasting, and this hadith is an uh, Abdullah ibn Umar ibn Khattab radiyallahu ta'ala and he said, I heard the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam say that if you see it, or if you sight it, yani the new moon, then fast. If you observe, if you sight the new moon, then fast. And when you see it again, yani showing the, the, the moon for the next month, then break your fast and cease fasting. And if the sky is cloudy, meaning that it's difficult to see the moon because of the clouds and it's a cloudy uh, evening and so forth, then estimate or calculate. Now, why did the, this Imam Abdul Ghani Ta'ala al-Maqtasi place this hadith after the previous one? And that is that we've been prohibited in hadith number one from fasting a day or two before because usually people do that because they have doubt on whether it's Ramadan or not. But in this hadith Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has told us what to do uh, if we cannot see the moon. And that is that he said that faqdiru estimate. And what does estimate mean? We talk about that in a few minutes ta'ala Rabbil Azim. As we do, we deal with some points as relates to this hadith. The first point that we're going to deal with is the Tarjumat al-Rawi. And that is the biography of the narrator. And the narrator is Abdullah ibn Umar ibn Khattab. And he is the son, Sahabi ibn Sahabi. He is a companion, uh, the son of a companion. And his father was Umar ibn Khattab. And he... Uh, embraced Islam with his father. He embraced Islam with his father and he was from the Muhajirun and he was from those who graduate, uh, migrated to Medina from Mecca. So he embraced Islam with his father. And he didn't fight in uh, the Ghazwatul Badr and he didn't fight in Uhud because he was young. And he wanted to fight in these battles, but he was too young and he was not given permiss uh, permission by the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam to do so. So the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, 
gave him permission in the in the up up upcoming uh, battles uh, like the Ghazwat al Khandaq, and he uh, fought in that battle after seeking permission of the Messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and he was about fifteen years old. So from there, the ulama have taken from this. Uh, uh, permission given by the Messenger وسلم, for him to fight in Ghazwatul Khandaq at the age of 15 that if somebody does not have the signs of puberty meaning that uh, they do not have pubic hair uh, and, and so forth or the, the womb the, 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 there's the, they do not have any um, sexual emissions or anything like that then um, uh, the ulama have said that it's a proof this hadith that when he is 15 that he has reached the age of puberty or where he is morally responsible because the messenger allowed him this he did not allow him when he was too young in Badr and in Uhud the battles of Badr and Uhud but he allowed him Abdullah ibn Umar when he was 15 in the Ghazwat al-Khandaq now and he was subhanallah this sahabi um, uh, Abdullah ibn Umar loved the messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam and was one of the most strictest adherer uh, to the sunnah of the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam and he was from the ulama who narrated a lot of narrations from the messenger as well he narrated 2630 narrations he narrated 2630 hadith narrations on the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam and him like Abu Huraira, are called the Mukthirun. They're called those who narrated frequently from the Messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and from them is Aisha radiyallahu anha um al-Mu'minin. From them is Aisha as well, which we'll deal with her tarjama. I believe it's probably uh, next week, inshallah, in the hadith uh, that we'll study next week, inshallah. Al Al Kullin, he died radiyallahu anhu in the year eighty-seven. He died in the year 87 after the Hijrah of the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Sorry, he died in the year 73. He died in the year 73, sorry. He died in the year 73 uh, after the migration of the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And he died in Mecca. And he died in Mecca. And some have said that he's uh, have identified where his grave is. But Allah A'lam, if that place is correct. He died in Mecca al-Kullin in the year 73 after the migration of the Messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So he's one of the uh, last of the Sahaba radiyallahu ta'anhum to die. And he died actually when he was 87 years old. So he died in the year 73 and he died when he was 87 years old radiyallahu ta'ala anhum na'am. After this we go on to the next point of this hadith. And that is that um, in this uh, affair of uh, when the clouds or when it's difficult to sight the moon, then we don't know whether Ramadan has begun. The Messenger Sallallahu mentioned more than one narration in this regard. In this narration, he says estimate, which is the most general narration. And, and, and what does that mean? We have to go to the other narration, which is in uh, Bukhari and Muslim. Where the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, فَإِنْ غُمَّ عَلَيْكُمْ فَأَكْمِلُوا عِدَّةُ الشَّعْبَانِ ثَلَاثِينَ يَوْمًا And if it is, the cloud is cloudy and is unclear to see the moon, then complete 30 days of Sha'ban. Complete 30 days of Sha'ban. So this is giving us a clear 
uh, guidance on how to calculate. And that is that if, for example, uh, it's the 30th night of, uh, of, of Sha'ban, it's the 30th night of Sha'ban, and we haven't seen the sighting, then we have to fast the 30th day. And that is because we know that barakalafikum salamakumullah that the day actually begins at maghrib so let's say that it's maghrib on that day which is the 30th of sha'ban maghrib is when that day begins so the coming after the night and the coming day will be the 30th day so therefore we will wait until after that and then we will begin Fasting Ramadan and the next day. So the Messenger Sallallahu said that if it's cloudy and you cannot see sight the moon, then Akmilu Yawman. And just complete thirty days, not thirty nights, thirty days of Sha'ban. And this is a nus, this is clear proof and statement from the Messenger Sallallahu on how to calculate. On how to calculate. When the it's cloudy and we cannot see the sighting of the month new moon of Ramadan and likewise if we're on the last uh, period of Ramadan and we cannot sight the moon for the next month again we calculate again we calculate and we will fast 30 days of Ramadan 30 days of Ramadan meaning that if for example is we fought we finish fasting the 29th day of Ramadan and then the 30th begins at Maghrib, we haven't sighted the moon for Sha'ban. Sorry, for Shawwal. We haven't sighted the moon for Shawwal. So then we have to fast the coming day, which is the 30th day. As we mentioned, we begin with the evening. The coming day, which will be the 30th day, we have to fast that day uh, of Ramadan and we have to complete 30. And that's mentioned in uh, another narration in general. Uh, and that's in the love and wording in Sahih Muslim, where the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, فَإِنْ غُمَّ عَلَيْكُمْ فَسُومُوا ثَلَاثِينَ And if it's unclear to you, the sighting of the moon, the new moon, then fast 30. That's for every month. That's for every month, including Ramadan, Sha'ban, Shawwal, uh, uh, meaning that all of the other months, if we cannot sight it, then it's 30. Then it's what? 30. But here... For sumu thalathin, because it has sumu fasting, this is no doubt more specific for the month of Ramadan, meaning fast 30 days. Fast 30 days if you cannot see the moon for the next month, which is why sometimes we have 29 days in Ramadan and sometimes we have 30. So if we have 29 days in Ramadan, it means that the moon has been sighted. And if we have 30 days in Ramadan, it means that the moon wasn't sighted and we followed the hadith of the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam where he said in ghumma alaykum faqdiru lahu. And if it is not clear, there's yani uh, there's cloud and it's obscure and you cannot see the sun, the moon, then uh, calculate yani 30 days of Ramadan or 30 days of Sha'ban. Now, after this we continue and we mention uh, the next point and that is Ra'aytumuhu where the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said and if you see it 
And if you see it, yani the, if you see the moon, new moon of Ramadan. And with this, uh, uh, we uh, discuss whether, how we can see and what is the number of witnesses that is required to sight the moon. What is the number of, uh, that is required to sight the moon. The ulama, they differed. The ulama, they differed. Some of the ulama have said that we have to have two witnesses that sight the moon in the, to, to establish Ramadan. And we have to have two witnesses that sights the moon to signify the end of Ramadan. But the correct opinion, as is mentioned by Al-Alama Muhammad ibn Salih Al-Uthaymeen, Rahimullah Ta'ala, and that is that if one person, if one person cites it, then it is sufficient. And that is that in the Athar or the narration on Abdullah ibn Umar, عنه, he said, that I said to the Messenger, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, that I saw the moon. And then the Messenger, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, ordered the people to fast. He ordered the people to fast. So this clearly shows that it's sufficient that it's one uh, trustworthy individual that sees it. If it's one trustworthy individual that, that sights the moon, then the, it is then uh, legislated for the month of Ramadan to begin. But um, Sheikh bin Baz, uh, ta'ala, he said that just to be sure, the ulama have said that it should be two to signify the end of Ramadan. But one is sufficient to show the beginning of Ramadan, but just to be sure, it is better to have two witnesses that have sighted the moon at the end or to signify the end of the month of Ramadan. But no doubt, that which is strongest is the kalam of uh, Ibn Uthaymeen, rahimullah, based upon the hadith of Abdullah ibn Umar that he was alone and he's trustworthy and he cited it and then the messenger وسلم, commanded the people to fast uh, in the month of Ramadan now and that no doubt applies to breaking the fast as well next issue that we can discuss that is uh, an, ish, uh, an area of discussion amongst the ulama regarding this hadith is the messenger وسلم, said and if you see it, then fast. Question is, if someone is from a different country and another country cites it, what do we do? Do we follow the citing of that other country or do we have to have our own specific citing? Again, difference of opinion amongst the ulama of fiqh and hadith. But the correct opinion is, cl is clear in this hadith. In that the Messenger وسلم, said, And if you see it, then fast. And this is in the plural sense, which means the Ummah. If you, all of you, see it, or any of you see it, then fast. So this is a, a khitab, a, 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 a command that Barakalafikum has been uh, given to the whole Ummah. It's not being, there's no differentiation between buldan or countries, but rather the Messenger وسلم, said, if you see it, then fast. So if any of you sees it, then fast. And likewise, the statement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, فَمَنْ شَهِدَ مِنْكُمْ 
الشهر فليصم فمن شهد منكم الشهر فليصم and whoever from you يعني from the muslims witnesses the month then let them fast so therefore it's sufficient if a country has cited the moon that we the ummah we fast and this is the strongest opinion that is based upon this verse in surah al-baqarah verse number 185 and likewise the hadith that we are studying now and abdullah ibn umar ibn khattab radiyallahu ta'ala anhuma haythu qal sami'tu Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallama yaqul idha ra'aytumuhu fasumu wa idha ra'aytumuhu fa'aftiru fa inguma alaykum faqdiru lahu if you see it yani if you see the month the moon the new moon then fast and if you see it yani you see the next month after ramadan signifying the end of ramadan then break your fast clear hadith does not mention anything specific for any country or buldan but rather antum muslimun faman shahada minkum ash-shahra whoever witnesses the month from amongst you falyasum let him fast and no doubt the hadith of abdullah ibn umar also that the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam commanded the people to fast when he witnessed the 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 sighting uh, is an indication that it's sufficient that one person does it now finally we mentioned some general benefits that we can take from this hadith point form The first benefit is wujub sawm Ramadan idha thabatat ru'yatu hilal and that is uh, hilal and that is uh, the obligation of fasting in the month of Ramadan once the moon has been sighted and we mentioned that it's sufficient is if one person sights that The second uh, benefit that we can take from this is wujub ikmal sha'ban 30 idha halla ghaim on nahwi dun al-hilal ramadan and that is the obligation of completing 30 days of sha'ban which is the month before ramadan if we cannot see the moon and it has not been sighted uh, due to cloudy uh, uh, weather and so forth the next benefit that we can take from this is the obligation of breaking the fast once the hilal or the crescent has been sighted for the next month yani shawal after ramadan So then once that's been cited it's obligatory to stop fasting and cease fasting for that month of Ramadan. Uh another point of benefit that's just come to me and that is that the word hilal which is the crescent the ulama have said that it's called crescent in the first uh couple of days of sighting. So in the first couple of days that the 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 moon as we call it has been sighted it's actually called a crescent and after the third day it's called the moon. after the third day is called the moon before that is called the crescent and that's the kalam of ahlul lugha and the people of language of arabic language they have made that differentiation hilal is the first couple of days and after the couple of days after that is called the moon but we use moon in english because of no doubt the restricted language that we have in english language now um and the next benefit that we can take from this is the obligation of fasting 30 days of ramadan if we cannot uh, sight the moon or the crescent of shawal now and the next benefit is we do not need technology and all of these so forth to or the timetables and so forth to ascertain when it's the end of the month we have alhamdulillah the hadith of the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam that's clearly showed us that either we see the moon 
or the crescent but if we do not cite it then indeed we just fast 30 days of Ramadan or we just complete 30 days of that particular month now and no doubt also uh, in this uh, uh, hadith is the uh, benefit that is extrapolated uh, indirectly of the uh, permits the, the exception of the narration of one individual Khabr Ahad and that is the person who testifies and witnesses the coming of the month or the leaving of the month of Ramadan for example and this is a proof showing the Qubul Khabr Ahad and the, benefit, the, the, the acceptance of a person who narrates on his own without anyone else is accepted because we accept it when he cites the moon uh, to begin or end the month Nam. And with that we conclude the second hadith and I believe uh, is, uh, we, can, we can stop here inshallah and continue um, next week with the third hadith and Anas bin Malik, the third and fourth hadith both are on Anas bin Malik anhum, and uh, it's regarding suhoor and uh, I don't want to prolong uh, today's sitting and uh, we'll continue with that uh, next week. Wallahu uh, a'lam wa sallallahu wa sallam wa barak ala nabiyyina muhammadin wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Ayakumullah.